Welcome to Divine Downloads, the show where we combine the spiritual wisdom and the practical advice to help you bring the vision you have for your life into reality. And today we have an incredible guest that's going to <laughs> quantum help you do that with her book, uh, Boundary Boss, the beautiful, wonderful, extremely wise Terry Cole. Uh, she is a, um, a trained licensed psychotherapist and a relationship and empowerment um, leader in the world. Um, but really, she's just, I mean, she is the boundary boss. <laughs> <laughs> and she's worked literally from with, with celebrities, with Fortune 500 CEOs, um, and with, you know, quote unquote, normal people like us, and, um, and really help them take back their life using boundaries. And I just want, I never do this, but I want to just read the a couple little things to you on the book because I think it's so powerful. It says, the essential guide to talk true, be seen and finally live free, right? And so much of boundaries is also about learning how to just use your authentic voice and be able to speak to your needs. And then um, on the back, it says, break free from over-functioning over-delivering, people-pleasing, and ignoring your own needs so you can finally live the life you deserve. And I literally, if you know, you guys listen to this podcast, I never, ever do that for books. <laughs> but I was like, everybody that's listening right now is going to be like, oh, snap. Yes, please. That's what I need to hear. So welcome, Terry. <laughs> well, thanks, Cassandra. I'm happy to see you again. <laughs> so happy to see you again. So boundaries. I feel like there are so many questions and my audience also send me so many questions. People are, this is just such a powerful topic. And I'm curious with all of your years as a psychotherapist and all the, I'm sure you, I know that you have dealt with so many different situations and, and all different kinds of things. You probably could have wrote a book on anything. <laughs> what, what about boundaries made you think this is like, this is the thing, this is the key that can unlock a golden door. Well, part of it, you know, they say like, you teach what you most need to learn. <laughs> so I was certainly a boundary disaster in my 20s, for sure. So that was part of it. My, my own life experience of realizing that saying yes when I wanted to say no, or being too dialed into pleasing others, even if that thing didn't please me, all the codependent behavior that I had in my life, I didn't realize that 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 is all disordered boundaries. And so I got on my own path early in life. I started therapy when I was 19. I quit drinking when I was 21, like, you know, eyes wide open, going straight ahead into it. And it took a long time, of course, to, to really get it down to like, here's the language and this is what it is. But I had a lot of pain in my life and a lot of resentment because disordered boundaries, especially if you are an over-functioner, over-giver, over-deliverer, like many of us are, it really was breeding a lot of resentment in my relationships. So through my own practice and process and many years of therapy, I got to a point of being healthier. Then I left my job as a talent agent. So I was negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities for like endorsement deals. And my life changed so much from my own therapeutic process. I was like, I, there's gotta be something more meaningful. 
I could do with my life than make, you know, Naomi Campbell richer, even though she's fine, but I'm just saying like supermodels don't need me to help them. But other people do because I considered myself a pretty savvy person and it was still a struggle. Then I opened my therapy practice and it was an absolute epidemic. It didn't matter what the presenting problem was, right? Someone could walk through the door being like, I think I need to get a divorce or I have an eating disorder or I'm addicted to drugs or I'm, I'm exhausted, whatever the thing is. I could literally follow those dots back. Each one of those pain points was directly connected to this inability to speak truthfully, to establish boundaries and enforce them to, I was like, this is it. This is the thing because there, there are so many things and I do teach on a lot of things, but this is exactly what you said, Cassandra. This was the key to the golden door because if you can get your boundaries straightened out, if you can get these skills, and I'll talk quickly about what, what that is because I think there's a ton of confusion about what it means to have healthy boundaries. I do believe your entire life will change. So the myths about boundaries are vast, but for our purposes, for this conversation, yeah. for folks listening, you having healthy boundaries means that you know your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers. And you have the ability to communicate them early and often if you so choose. Mm. And that's a big if. You may know those things, but do you have the skills to communicate them? And the answer was most of the women who came into my practice, the answer was no. And do you even know what your rights are? I feel like this is a huge thing, a huge thing about even knowing what your rights are, because, you know, you mentioned in the book and I was like, oh, I was in bed. I was like, yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad she's <laughs> talking about this. You talk about like the history of women struggling with boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. How we were, we were taught almost by society that we had to be good. We had to sacrifice ourselves. We had to give up certain things. We weren't allowed to, you know, you know, request or demand or whatever it is, mm -hmm. our things and how that has kind of flowed down on us so that so many of us, and I see this, I have clients, I'm sure you have too, I have clients that are caregivers, clients that are moms, especially, right? Where mm -hmm. they are balancing this line between, well, these are my desires, but these is what I feel like is like my duty. Right. I mean, how many of us were raised to be good girls, right? Turn that frown around. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Nobody was like, how do you really feel? I mean, actually my mother was, but I mean, sometimes, but the, the reality is most of us were taught, you know, I say we were raised and praised to be self-abandoning codependents because that's what got us acceptance, love, praise. So each of us has um, a, boundary, a downloaded boundary blueprint. This is in your unconscious mind, which is basically the experiences that you had in your life, family you grew up in, country, culture, how many siblings you had, how functional or dysfunctional your family system was. Was there addiction? Was there abuse? Was there neglect? Um, what was your role in the family system? So your down, download a boundary blueprint is literally as unique as your fingerprints. So nobody, no two people have the exact same thing, but there are cultural elements within the family like, of origin 
we learned these things. So if you had a maternal impactor who was a pushover, let's say, when it came to boundaries, always saying yes, even though she kind of really wanted to say no, kind of bitter, felt put out, you know, by other people's entitlement, then you see and you go, okay, well, that's, that's what being a good woman looks like. I should be self-sacrificing. I mean, we hear people talk about friends are like, oh, she's amazing. You'd love her. She would give the shirt off her back to anyone. I want to be like, keep your fucking shirt on, Betty. Like, why, why are you giving your, how about some discernment? Like a cold, freezing baby, sure. But like everybody, no, why? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's so true. It's so true. And you know, uh, exactly what you said too. It's, I really honestly do believe it's the one thing that stands. I work, I work primarily with women. So that's why I'm mm -hmm. speaking to women. But I see so much. I think the one thing that stands in the a woman's way from really just having that life that she dreams of, that she desires, that she sees for herself is boundaries, is being able to actually go for it, to create the space to go for it, to have the courageous conversations, to, to live a different life than so much of, so many of us were kind of blueprinted to, to do from our, our parents or from even just society, I think sometimes. Oh yeah, it's, it's society too, because we're raised as women to be the, the bridgers, we're the assuagers, we're the connectors, right? We're the soothers of society. This is what we're raised to do. And here's the thing, you can be incredibly loving and have really healthy boundaries. And I think that the myths about boundaries that like you have to be a bitch to do it you have to you're always saying no you're confronting people you're rejecting people you're being demanding you got to do it be mean to do it all of that stuff is just a way to sort of keep us in line you know because it's not true this is a language so no one taught you this language there's nothing wrong with you that you don't know this language the good news is I wrote a whole friggin' book on it and I can yeah. teach you this language, right? Yeah, and she walks you through it, guys. <laughs> like I, I, it is literally step-by-step step and it's very interactive because nobody wants to read like about theoretical crap, who cares? What people want to know is, okay, what am I doing in my life right now? How, how can this help me in this moment? And so there's a lot in the book where I teach something and then I say, okay, back to you right now. Please think about the the relationships in your life, when you're done being with someone, where do you feel drained and where do you feel energized? Where do you, so you're learning the whole way. Everything is in small steps though, but I want you to think about it like a language where you wouldn't beat yourself up the way that my clients do saying, oh, I'm just so weak. Like, I can't believe I gave in or I can't believe I did this or what's wrong with me. That's like expecting to be fluent in a language that nobody ever taught you. And in fact, as you said, we, we were literally giving corrupted information about what it means because what's happening is if we think about it this way, your preferences, your desires, your limits, your deal breakers, right? The, the things that are non-negotiable in your relationships, your career, whatever, those are the things that make you uniquely and beautifully you. Yeah. So when we deny those or when we repress those or when we say, oh, you know me, I'm easy. Everything is good with me. No problem. It's all good. Again, ways that we've been trained that, that to be like the cool girl, to be easygoing. Why, why does having a preference 
Why is that a burden yeah. on anyone? It isn't. But what happens is when we don't share our preferences, our limits, right? Our, our deal breakers, the people in our life don't actually know us. So I would have women coming to me in their fifth, sixth decades of life and being like, I've done it all. I've checked all the box. Kids are going to Ivy schools. I got money in the bank. I still like my spouse. I go to Soul Cycle three times a week. Is this how I'm supposed to feel? And they feel empty. They feel that their life doesn't have the meaning that they want it to have. And I'm like, yeah, because your life has been built on other people's expectations, what other people think you should do, entitlement. And if we never build our own internal space and self-knowledge, that's really the process of what we're going through in this book, is that you were doing all of these inventories about you because the, it's so tempting to want to be like, let's focus on if my boss wasn't such a jerk, everything, my boundaries would be fine. If my best friend didn't betray me, everything would be fine. If this person didn't do that, that is the wrong place to go. And don't think about learning this language. Like, oh my God, I have to give a TED talk in this language I don't know in two days. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't, right? You, you're going to take your time one step at a time and what you learn becomes the foundation for you becoming masterful and knowing that you can always set boundaries with ease, with grace, with kindness, when appropriate with love, when needed with more heat, right? You, you can decide how assertive to be depending on the way other people, you know, what, what is actually happening. And I think that the fear people say all the time, Oh, I don't want them to think I'm a bitch. Yep. I'm worried they're going to think that I'm mean now. And every single time you ever say, I don't want them to think, I don't want them to feel, I will remind you to get back on your own side of the street. Because what is your side of the street is what you think and what you feel. And we cannot and will not control. You could say it perfectly. You could literally, I could give you magic words to draw a boundary. And someone may still be like, oh, so you're saying I'm a big jerk. Like, nope, that's not what I was saying at all. So again, we can't be responsible for how, how it lands. Now, in established relationships, yeah, some, you're going to change the boundary dance. Guess what? Your dance partner's going to notice, which yeah. is why we do it small steps at a time. And it is so tempting when you first start learning all of this to just grab like the bullhorn and be like, hey, everybody, we need to talk. There's a new boundary sheriff in town. <laughs> yeah. Everything's going to change, bitches. You know, you just want to be like, no more. But we don't do that because first of all, nobody wants to talk to you when you say, we've got to talk, right? Have you ever wanted to talk to anyone who has said that in your life? Nope, nope. I never do. <laughs> but the biggest changes happen when we change our own behavior. When we just start to gently start sharing our preferences more, start sharing our limits more, your preferences matter. So I want, you know, Cassandra, the Boundary Boss Bill of Rights, this is something that's right in the front of the book. And I wrote this because the confusion about rights 
right? People are like, I don't know. So I think we should go over them quick if you want to. If you like, Yeah, it. yeah, let's go over them. Yeah, you want to read them? Sure. The Boundary Boss Bill of Rights. You have the right to say no or yes to others without feeling guilty. How many people, hold on, how many people feel guilty when they say no to others? Everyone's oh like, Meh. all the time. Right? Every okay. single time. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you you have the right to make mistakes, to course correct, or to change your mind. Okay, hold on. How many people feel like every decision they make carries the weight of a life sentence? Like, can't leave this relationship because I moved in with this person and now I I feel like I just I said this and I can't change my mind. But you can. And it is so important to give yourself that latitude to be like, oh hey, I don't feel that way anymore. Or how about I made a mistake or how about I'm going to course correct. I didn't anticipate how much work this was going to be. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I can no longer be a part of your whatever. Like we will kill ourselves at the expense of ourselves, many of us to keep our word. And yet it is so much better for you and better boundaries. If you give yourself permission to change your mind. Okay. Absolutely. And you know, just before we continue too, because I feel like in what my languaging would be with my clients, which is a little bit different, but same thing would be also like this, giving yourself permission to listen to your soul and your intuition and to trust that like as new evidence appears and as you move along your journey, things might change. And some yeah. you plan to go someplace with someone three months ago and now it doesn't feel aligned anymore. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that you also teach that's really powerful is like, there's nothing wrong with you changing your mind where it gets messy is when we don't communicate to people about it and just right. say, I want to communicate this to you. I know I promised that this to you and whatever. And, and I, my mind is changing just so that they're on the same page as us. Yep. And also own it. I'm really sorry. I know you're disappointed. I really thought I could do it. And that's on me. I'm yeah. really sorry. I hope you can, I hope you can forgive me or whatever. Like talking true means exactly that honoring exactly what you said what your soul you know physically you know you we get the signs like oh god I really don't want to do this thing and yes I'll I'll sit with it and say maybe it's today I'm just tired maybe tomorrow I feel differently so I don't impulsively change my mind especially if I've made a commitment but I also don't keep a commitment that is going to be against my integrity or my health right? Things that are really are important. Okay. Next. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. You have the right to negotiate for your preferences, desires, and needs. Now notice I didn't say you have the right to have someone fulfill those things. I said, you have the right to negotiate for them because so many of us were also taught that negotiating was, as Chris Carr, my girlfriend said, she's like, my grandmother would say, it's like behavior unbecoming, right? (laughs) Like, yes. like it's, it's sort of like gauche or like trashy or I don't even know. So it's like lowbrow, not true. And this is how we get our needs met. And we are the only people responsible for getting our needs met. So when we want the partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, person to read our minds We're like, where is their magic eight ball? Why don't they know what I'm thinking and feeling? We make up all these ways that they're wrong because they don't. And what I'm saying is that the more you do it, like when you first start doing this, it feels like such a big deal. Like, ah, I'm going to assert myself in this way. 
the more you do it, the less possible it becomes to be dishonest in your relationships. I love that. And it is so true. It's like one, when you're speaking this and when you're setting, when you're negotiating for your desires, like you said, you're letting people in your life know who you really are and Mm -hmm. giving them that it's a level of intimacy, which is a gift, regardless of whether or not they appreciate your preference or don't appreciate your preference. It's still intimacy. And now they know you better. And anyone that can't hang with that you know, I would say wasn't meant to be in your life, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, like- we, we, we give people a chance to like get used to the new, more assertive us, for sure. You're changing, like, you know, people, you know, Dr. Harriet Lerner, who's my, one of my psychological heroes, she wrote a book, um, she wrote a ton of books, but one of them is, you know, the dance of anger, the dance of intimacy, the dance of lots of dances. Anyway, she talks about this being a dance, right? And that when we change established relationships, our boundary dance, yes, the person we're dancing with is gonna notice. And usually in the beginning, they're gonna do what, you know, we call a change back move, where they're like, hey man, I do this, then you do this. Hello, don't you know that this is our dance? So if you're changing that, they're gonna notice, but our job is to hold tight. And we can acknowledge, hey, you seem upset, that I want to leave the party at 10 tonight and not stay till midnight. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm really trying to take care of myself better and I have an early meeting and, you know, can we, can we compromise tonight and leave early? Again, if the person's like, no, they're like, okay, take your own car. Like <laughs> we'll go separately because I'm still effing leaving when I need to leave. Again, we're, we can acknowledge this might be hard for you. You, you might, I see that you're disappointed and I'm sorry. And yet I still, this is still my boundary. Yeah. Absolutely. And I want to come back to that one because I have some questions about family boundaries that I think that would oh, be appropriate yeah. Yes. <laughs> but let's, I want to read more of this. So you have the right to express and honor all of your feelings if you so choose. So the key in there is if you so choose. So we should be discerning, right? If we know someone is emotionally unsafe, I would say do not choose to share all of your feelings or your, don't give them access to your most tender heart if you already have evidence that they will throw something in your face or try to manipulate you or whatever. So why I said, if you you so choose, it's like not everyone deserves that access to your innermost feelings. And yet you have a right to share it with those that you are discerning about sharing it with. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's so important because it reminds us of our side of the street as well because I had a I had a question just the other day on one of my group calls and they were like how do I dodge people that suck my energy <laughs> you mm. know and uh, a common question and I part of it I was like okay we well, also have to be conscious of who do you allow into your sacred space right and more yeah. of just like realizing okay these are topics that aren't safe with this person so maybe there are topics that are safe with that person. I could talk to them about work or whatever right. and keep it there. Um, I right. think that's huge. Me too. Um, you have the right to be treated with, oh, I know. You have the right to voice your opinion, even if others disagree. Right. You don't have to, but you have a right to. You have the right to be treated with respect, consideration, and care. And this comes from how you treat yourself. So we all have to start with looking at, do I treat myself? Do I talk to myself respectfully with consideration? 
and care. Because when we don't, like when we're last on our own list, when we're overgiving to everyone else, when we're always like, no, no, you do it, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take the sacrifice, whatever it is. If we talk badly about ourselves, if we put ourselves down, what ends up happening is that that low self-assessment, you are guaranteed to attract others who agree with your low self-assessment. They'll be happy for you to continue over-functioning and doing more of the work and doing all the emotional labor. They will also treat you without consideration and care. So it really all starts with remembering that your relationship to yourself is the most, rela most important relationship you'll ever have, but it also sets the bar for every other relationship in your life. That, yeah, that's everything. That's mm -hmm. life-changing, that one and all. You have the right to determine who has the privilege of being in your life. That's all about your VIP section. Exactly what we're saying. Who gets, not everyone, who gets the just access because, pass, yeah. Exactly. And not everyone deserves to be in there. Some, some family systems are like, all family must have all access to you all the time. No, I don't think so. I think it's exactly, look at it like this. You're in a club. You're the only bouncer. You're the only person putting up the rope and you make the guest list. And if you're not doing that, then you have any mother effer who feels like coming in, feel it entitled to your sunshine, your kindness. You're probably an empath. You're probably a highly sensitive person, super giving, very loving. Anyone comes in. Trust me, when you're an overgiver, the overtakers are like, right on. This is amazing. So be discerning about who gets to be in your VIP section. Absolutely. You have the right to communicate your boundaries, limits, and deal breakers. And with this one, I just want to say that a lot of times my clients would be like, well, you know, then my partner says, I don't know why you feel that way. You shouldn't feel that way. That's like ridiculous. You have no reason to feel that way. So if someone says that, you can say, oh, hey, I'm just telling you how I feel, not asking for your opinion on my feelings. So I would really appreciate it if you would allow me to finish what I was saying and you know, caring. Like, here's the thing. You're going to be in my life. You need to care about how I feel. Not how you think I should feel. Not, not whether you understand. I don't care if you understand it. I'm telling you this thing bothers me. Or, that, you know, again, it's not using it as a lever of control. It's about caring. It's about being in relationships with people where it's not win and lose, right? Who, who's winning this argument? Who's losing this argument? It's really, when you have healthy boundaries, you can go into whether it's partnerships, business partnerships or whatever with, it's you and me. It's not you against me. It's you and me against this issue together. Right? But we need that ability to speak what our truth is. Absolutely. And I think so often it's women also leading the charge of those conversations in their homes, right? And, and having to almost, it's like you teach people how to treat you. You teach people how to interact with you. Maybe, you know, you're dating a guy or whatever, and he throws that at you. You shouldn't feel that way or whatnot, mm -hmm. right? Kind of unconsciously is like, because he doesn't understand it, right? right. And then by having the, <clears throat> the love for yourself to have that communication and say, listen, I know you don't understand it. I don't care if you don't understand it. Right. What I need you to do is listen and care. You know, I think it also, we, when we are truth talking, we give people a chance. Right. 
we're, we're literally supplying context. Even if that context is, I don't even, I don't even fully understand why, you know, I, I had this example that when I was first dating my husband, we were in Jersey and he would come pick me up from the train and I could see the, I could see him pulled up from the trestle, the way the train would come in. So if I would see his car there, I'd be so happy. I would like bolt down the stairs and be like, I was, I, was, I mean, that was 25 years ago. I'm still so in love. It's ridiculous, but I was just so happy. But if I came and his car wasn't there, I don't know why, but it would, I was so sad. I would literally feel like I wanted to cry, which in my own mind, I was already a therapist. I was like, well, this literally makes no sense. <laughs> He's going to pull up in 20 seconds. It's not like he would leave me standing there even for five minutes. So I knew, but then I would get in the car. If I didn't say anything, I'd be like kind of withdrawn in anger, kind of pissy, kind of like, I'm just tired. But like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling constricted and resentful, although it doesn't make sense because I didn't even give him a chance. I finally decided, because it was pretty early on in our dating, I decided I'm just going to tell him. He's a great guy. He's had a ton of therapy. Like he'll get it. And I said, Hey babe, this happens. Can you, I'd like to make a simple request that you really work to be on time before the train pulls in, because I get so incredibly happy when I see you. And I literally don't know why, but when you're not there, I feel like I want to cry. I know you're only 30 seconds out, you're coming. And of course, sometimes that will happen, but it's just, and he was like, sure, babe. Okay. No problem. And Literally is barely is 24 years ago, actually. And I think he's been late once since then for anything. He's like, God, don't want to make her cry. But that's also someone who's had a lot of therapy. And I didn't go into that conversation saying, you're an insensitive jerk because you're 12 seconds late to pick me up because he isn't and he wasn't. But my internal problem, my pain, he definitely needed to care about. You're my person. How I feel, whether you get it or not, needs to matter. So, But I think it's important that the, the not blaming aspect is in there too, because that makes people much more open to want to be a part of your solution if you're not like, well, if you weren't a selfish idiot, like nobody wants to like be a part of the solution if you're blaming them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also comes back to you just be, like being comfortable owning your side of the street. And I had a similar thing with my fiance. And I literally think like, I could have, I got really lucky where he also, he pretty much asked me to communicate my boundaries because he saw the resentment building. And he was like, I can't figure it out. <laughs> but I'd really love to know what's going on. And it was the silliest thing. It was because I we had moved in together. I never lived with someone before him. And so I was figuring out like how we split house chores. And I was feeling really resentful because I work from home. He's a surgeon, so he's always out. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was doing more of the chores. Mm -hmm. And I was building up this resentment, but I felt like it was my role. And I didn't know, you know, and I was, you know, new, new, like living together phase or whatever. But then like the days where he would come home and I had cleaned or whatever, I would be this like same way, kind of just like a little standoffish, like, what up? Sorry, I just had a long day. It was an exhausting day. And then I had to clean the kitchen, you know, <laughs> and, and he would be like, okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, finally he was like, okay, so I feel like sometimes I don't even feel like you like me when I come home. What's going on? <laughs> and I was like, I hate cleaning. I hate cleaning. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was just one of those things where I was like, I don't know why, after a long day, I mean, you could come up with reasons, but mm -hmm. there's not one specific reason why after a long day, I feel like, like a 
like it's like a whatever I feel negative about having to finish work and then go do more housework mm-hmm. right I'm sure most people don't feel that like exciting but it right. particularly boils my whatever <laughs> right and, um, and so it's just about of communicating that to him and he was like okay no problem you know no don't just don't if you don't want to do it you know yeah. tell me or ask me if I can do it or if you don't want to cook dinner ask me if I can pick up dinner and it was such a mundane thing right Mm -hmm. but if you don't have that conversation then who knows you build up resentment you start getting angry and then all of a sudden you go to the blame and you're like you're trying to make me do this you're forcing me to do this but we didn't even ask them no, and the thing is, we're also, we, there's these things I call like the lies we tell ourselves so we could avoid a boundary conversation, basically. So we just, we just fill in the blanks ourselves. We either make excuses for people's crap behavior by being like, I know she didn't mean to scream at me. She's always like that when she's PMSing. So she didn't mean it because you don't want to have to have a conversation of like, why are you treating me disrespectfully? You know, and it's even like on the flip side, we're kind of writing a narrative about, I mean, he's probably not even thinking about the fact that I was here all day working and now I got to <laughs> clean the toilet. So he's probably just getting on with this happy life. Probably went to the gym after surgery, like whatever. Like we're literally making up a story. So when he, he is in, emotionally intelligent enough to come in and go, hey babe, I'm sensing some hostility. Is everything okay? What's going on? And with an opening. And again, that there's that vibe that I get from what you shared that he's like, hey, this is not you against me. This is us against whatever this thing is that's creating tension. Let's talk about it, which is so beautiful to be in a relationship with someone who has enough emotional intelligence to be like, dude, I don't want you being resentful. Like that's bad for everybody. Like let's let's figure this out. Yeah. No, thank thank goodness for him. Because <laughs> he's great with that. And it's so crazy because we we talked about this briefly. I was telling Terry before I even started recording that I've, you know, I've done a ton of therapy, obviously I've done a ton of spiritual work on myself and I've, I've worked on so many boundary things as far as like when it comes to work and especially when it comes to my family, I've done a ton of work and I definitely, you know, there are even more that were illuminated when I read through her book where I was like, okay, even more. And then same thing when I was in early, when I started having a relationship with Patrick and we moved in together and you know in that really like more serious intimate relationship you really see oh wow okay there's all these like like I said somewhat mundane things that Mm -hmm. once you communicate them it was literally like that's what you said like break free it was like one of the things that you say right it's like literally felt like I was freer again of course like it was out of my little induced self-induced slavery (laughs) exactly but also how much closer this is also how we build intimacy because when we talk true even if even if it's you get pushback it resonates with both of you as real and and there is a closeness that comes from allowing our people who are our trustworthy people to see our true self right i mean that that is really what we're talking about so that does deepen intimacy withholding in resentment of course does not me withholding in anger and just acting like I was tired instead of upset about something of course that doesn't deepen intimacy that's just so confusing especially to straight men probably to anybody but I'd say straight men maybe more like my girlfriends 
are more intuitive about certain things. Like if I couldn't just tell Vic, my husband of 20, whatever, four years, if I couldn't just talk straight to him and tell the truth, if I continued to make him guess, he would continue to F and get it wrong. Like fact, like, no, you're not even in the ballpark. I don't I have no idea how that would be what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. So I just stop. Why, why am I going to make him guess? He's definitely going to get it wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think of, I'm sure you've probably seen this in your practice as well, but how many relationships don't even get off the ground because of that? Because oh. I see this sometimes even with my girlfriends where, you know, once you're kind of coupled up and you're in your girlfriends, it makes you look at like dating so differently. Sure. And it's like, you know what? He has no idea that you're wanting to call him and you're mad that he didn't call because there's yeah. no precedent set. So maybe you should just say, hey, you know, what do you, I kind of like talking to people on the phone every once in a while or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. you know, is that, how does that feel for you? And then right. you learn right away. Can that person meet you or can they not meet you? But if you don't tell them at all, then I feel like it's, it's unfair to both of you, really. It just doesn't give you like a real chance. Yeah. And think about this in the dating world too. I always talk about setting boundaries early and often, right? Because your boundaries basically are protecting your integrity, right? I mean, that that's that's what they do. They're, they're protecting your self-respect and your integrity. Wouldn't you rather know now if you push back with someone or if you collude with their false reality? So someone says, hey, I'm going to call you Friday and then we'll go out Friday night. And then they don't call on Friday. Don't make a plan, but they call Friday night. Hey, what's up? How was your day? You're going to collude and pretend they didn't say that they were going to call you to have a plan. Then you you just jumped into non-reality with them, colluding with their lowest instinct. My feeling is there's a funny, cute, flirty way. You still like the person, but you need to draw the boundary and let them know, hey, you want to be in my life? This is how it's going to be. You don't have to say it like that. You can say, Oh, hey, when I didn't hear from you, I thought you just had a flaky moment. I'm actually just getting in a tub and about to read a good book. I hope you had a great day. Yes. And exactly. Yes. And I think exactly. And I think that exactly the way you said it too is so crucial because I think sometimes when, like you were saying, you become the boundary sheriff when you start like doing this work and then you can be, you know, I don't want to, uh, too intense sounds like wrong, but like you, you can kind of come at it in a wrong way. and, oh, and Aggressive. Oh, yeah, too aggressive. Here's the thing, like we're always choosing the level of heat, right? Especially because we don't know. That person might just be boundary clueless, right? We don't know that there was any ill intent. What we're informing them of what doesn't work for us. So if they said, oh my God, you're so right. I'm, You know what? I'm so sorry. I totally did flake. I, really, I remember now I said that. I'm sorry. Thanks for pointing it out. Or... Maybe they're like, ouch, you're right. I should have called. I'm sorry. Or if they say, what's up your ass? Like, what's, why are you being such a bit? Why so demanding? I barely know you. Then you're like, bye, because now I know how you're going to be. So you think you should be able to just say whatever the hell you want comes out of your mouth with no intention of following through. And that I, it's rude of me to not collude with your lie. I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not into that. <laughs> Goodbye. You know? Like people Absolutely. reveal and we can do it gently, but people really reveal who they are. It, you know, it, it's absolutely, it's so helpful in dating because it, it's true. It's like the more that you, I love that you said like do, do them fast and often and soon and like, because you're also, that also, if, the, if that person is there with you, will build intimacy faster, right? Because now yep. you're letting them know 
how you work essentially and being yep. like, oh, and a, I believe a good, all my experience is also just with straight men, but I feel like a good straight man gets excited when you give him a playbook, <laughs> when yes. you teach him how to win, right? Yeah. And he'll want to figure out, you know, okay, she likes when I call on Fridays. That makes really happy. She likes when I plan three days ahead of time, you know? Yep. They try to, you know, they'll figure it out. I remember I actually had a, just a friend years ago who was such a flake and it drove me crazy. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of wrote, wrote it off. Like they're just a flake, you know? Mm -hmm. And years later, I you know, I moved to LA and we were making, uh, we made plans. And I always, whenever I made plans, I would, put, when I make plans, I put it on my calendar. I'm, you know, that's my plan. <laughs> and, and um, this one Friday night, I was single, don't have a lot of friends in LA or whatever at the time, just moved there. I was really looking forward to it. I had a rough week. It was my only like social event in sight. And I was like, great, this will be good. And they flaked on me. And it just was finally, after years of taking it, mm -hmm. I got on the phone and I was like, I need to let you know that I'm upset right now because mm -hmm. I was really looking forward to it. And I know that I've allowed you to do this many times in the past, mm -hmm. but the truth is it always hurts my feelings. Mm -hmm. And when I make plans with you, I put it on my calendar and it means something to me. And, mm -hmm. and I just like had that moment where I was like, I gotta say it. Cause in yeah. that moment I knew if I don't say it, I'm just not gonna speak to her ever again. Oh yeah. You're like, she's out. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I was like, bye. this is this is the choice. And I was like, so, okay. So if the alternative is I'm just not gonna speak to her again, I might as well just say my truth. And if she doesn't wanna speak to me again, then okay. <laughs> exactly. And, and did she? Yeah. And we're still very good friends. And now never flakes. Because you drew a boundary and she respects and loves you. And when she found out that her, that that was trampling a boundary, because some people don't mind if you can't, some people are happy. They're like, oh, good. One last thing to do, you know? Yeah. So when she realized what it meant to you, she no longer felt compelled to take that action because the information you gave her made her say to herself, I don't want to hurt Cassandra because I love her. Exactly. So I'm only going to make plans that I can keep. I'm not just going to make them willy nilly to like, be like, okay, yeah, next Wednesday's great. And then get off the phone with no thought. You're like, I put it in my calendar and I bet now she puts it in her calendar. Absolutely. And it's so, you know, it's so beautiful because you give people that chance. Okay. So we yep. have two more because then I have okay. so many questions for you still. Okay. Uh, you have the right to prior prioritize your self-care without feeling selfish. Oof. That should be like a bumper sticker that everybody puts on their <laughs> on every door in their house. <laughs> I mean, this is just, there's nothing to say about this other than when you don't take care of yourself in a real way. And I'm not necessarily talking about a spa day. I'm really talking about what we're talking about. Emotionally, rest-wise, sleep-wise, hydration. If you're able to consume healthy food, do so. When we don't do those things because we're too busy sacrificing for others, trust me, you are not your best for the people that you love. You are taking it out on them. You are mad. So think about self-care. You know, they say like, uh, when mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Think about it that way, that when you take good care of yourself, you actually are bringing your best self to your relationships. And when you take crap care of yourself, you're like resentful, jealous, envious, and mad. Absolutely. And you know, when I was uh, just thinking about boundaries so much before I interviewed this past couple of weeks, mm -hmm. um, 
I was like, you know, the burnout epidemic we're seeing right now is really just a, a huge boundary issue problem. Oh my God, it is. It's just, it's, and I even noticed with myself, because, because, you know, I, I read the book, I've been reading the books in a couple weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Writing down notes and stuff like that. And I noticed even little things with myself, setting boundaries, just something simple as setting boundaries with like my time and like yes. making sure I don't go over on time with clients and stuff like that. Because I was like a real, I never thought of that as like a big deal before, yep. you know, I thought, oh, you know, whatever, just let it flow. And and just setting that boundary, I was like, wow, I'm so much less burnt out at the end of the day. Yep. But you're so right that that is, that is a fact that disordered boundaries makes you so friggin' tired because you're, you are leaking bandwidth and energy all the time in places where it's completely not necessary and not for your greatest good, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Burnout boundaries. And then you have mm-hmm. the right to talk true, be seen and live free. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I also really love what you said about self-care. I think that's important to note. I think it's been a huge, listen, I love a spa day and a bath as much as anybody else, but mm-hmm. real self-care is honoring your needs, right? right? Is being able to like honor your soul. And, and so sometimes the self-care, like for me, sometimes self-care is actually like creating a boundary so I can do a creative project, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. and creating those boundaries so that I have more time for the things on my to-do list that like I'm really lit up by, yeah. not just so I can go, you know, get a massage, which, you know, that's lovely, but right. you can go have as many spa days, but if you don't do anything about your boundaries, it's nothing will change. Right. Um, okay. So I love all this. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious if someone is listening to this, and this is one of the questions also that came in on yep. IG was just like, I feel like I have so many boundary issues <laughs> and I'm a mess and I'm overgiving and I'm people pleasing. I don't even know where to begin. Cause I get overwhelmed thinking about it. Where would you, what would you say? Where do, where does someone start? Well, where I start you in, in the, the book itself is Let's just start with stopping the auto yes. Let's just start simply there, that for the next 48 hours, you guys listening, for the next four days, no matter what anyone asks of you, you are not allowed to give an insta yes. I mean, unless the house is on fire and the fireman says, do you want to leave? That's it. <laughs> Anything else? No. Because what happens is, and, and I'll give you some language to make that easier where, oh, hey, thanks for thinking of me. I need to check my calendar. I need to check my promo schedule. I need to check with my spouse, my roommate, my sister, right? I'll get back to you tomorrow. I have a 24-hour decision-making policy. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Um, maybe, I'm not sure if I'm available, but I'll let you know. Thanks for thinking of me. We can always be polite and nice if we want to be, right? And, and especially if it's people you like. We are grateful they think of us, thank you, but that doesn't mean we're free to do the thing. Or if it's someone where you're, you're taking on work that is not yours, like in a work situation, it's definitely no insta yes on that, where you say, I really need to look at my workload, I'll get back to you tomorrow and let you know if I can help you out or not. Now we've bought time. So now when you go back, it's a million percent easier to say no, because you've already set the stage, you've done it softly, but you can go back and say, you know what? I just checked and I have too many deadlines. I'm sorry, this time around, I can't help you. Um, 
but you know, good luck. Or we already have plans. I just spoke to Vic. Um, again, think of us next time because we would love to do the thing, but we can't make it this time. And if it's something you really don't want to do, you know, we also don't need to have all the niceties, right? You, you can yeah. just say, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, we're unavailable. I hope you have a great time. You don't have to provide an excuse. You don't have to write a friggin' dissertation on your no, not necessary. And I feel like we, we get confused about the difference between giving context to people we care about, right? We provide more information. That's what that means. So that they understand if we were free, we would want to do the thing, if that's true. And convincing. Yeah. Like, as if we need to have a whole case built. Like we need a good enough reason to say, no, you know what is a good enough reason? You don't freaking feel like doing something. That is straight up a good enough reason. And if it's with someone who I really love and they say, hey, this is really important to me. Then for me, that's also a good enough reason for me to do something I don't feel like doing, right? But it's a mindful choice. I'm not being guilted into the experience. You know what I mean? Yes, I love that. And I think the 24 hour, just telling people, I have a 24 hour, you know, policy on thinking about it is just such a nice like way to ease yourself into that too. Yeah. And you're right. It kind of like baby steps them so that if you say the no, it's not that big of a deal. Gives you some time to like get comfortable with the new language of what you're going to say and decipher how much context that relationship is worthy of. Exactly. Um, Right. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And now what if, because I also got some questions about what if you're someone in a situation where you feel like excessive obligation, like it's a family member or you're a caretaker and there's part of you that feels like, like, I feel like I have to because my mom asked or so my dad, you know, is there any like pro tip on how to navigate that? If it feels a little bit heavier to say no. Well, part of it is you have to really weigh the pros and cons of saying no, right? If it's a relationship with someone you're in a relationship with, and if it's a mother who tortures you normally, you know, you you decide, is it worth it or not worth it? But I, I really do think the more that we do this, the more we realize that we have a right to prioritize the way that we feel. And of course, when you're in a relationship, you... Of course, we're doing crap we don't want to do for family and for friends and for lovers and whatever. I mean, this is this is being in a relationship sometimes. But I think that you want to look at the pattern in that relationship, especially if you're an adult and you're talking about your parents, right? So yeah, there there has to be a healthy transfer of what happens, right? It changes. This is a life transition where when you get engaged to be married, when you're married, your partner becomes your first family, your family where you grew up, they are your family of origin now. And everything that you do, you should be thinking, is this every decision I make, my relationship with Vic and my family, my kids, my grandkids, how will this impact them? Should I write about this in the book? How will they feel about it if I share this story or not? Not, it's my first thing is not about my family of origin. So, and I think that a lot of um, families, there's a lot of guilt and like loyalty to the end and they don't want your partner to become your primary person. And in healthy families, we understand, we want you to do it better than we did it. Like we're hoping that you 
Yes, build your family. I told my kids when they've got married, you're now, Joyce is your first family. And whoever has the littlest baby, that's who the family should, we should organize for the holidays around that house. So the person with the six-week-old isn't traveling. There's no, you need to come to us because I'm the mother figure. Like, no, we're not doing that, at least not in my family, because I love them and because they have a right. So I think that you have to really look at how disordered are the boundaries in that relationship? Why are you feeling guilty? Another thing is to really question the guilt. The same way when we feel that urgency in codependent relationships, we're like, we have to fix that person's problem. I always say, question the urgency. Let's take a look at that urgency. Why are you feeling like this problem is your problem when it is clearly not on your side of the street? It's the same thing with guilt. You're just habituated. You're, that parent knows those buttons if you have that type of relationship. And so it's okay to allow yourself to be a little uncomfortable to establish a new way of how it's going to be. If you don't want to continue to feel guilty, don't, right? Yeah. Let it go. Put it down. Write it out on a piece of paper. Burn it. Like there's lots of things that we can do. But the thing is, you've grown up. So if you want to do something mindfully and lovingly because your parent wants you to do it, that's one thing. If you do something out of obligation because your parent, you're a caregiver and there's a need, that's another thing. And then you got to talk with siblings about how do you break that up so you're not the only person doing it. But if it really is just that your parent is still trying to control you and it feels that way, you really have to break that by saying, I know you're disappointed, mom, I'm sorry. I love you. And I have saved this day to do something with my person and I, I don't want to change those plans. So I really would love it if you could understand and respect the importance of this relationship in my life too. Yeah. And I think also for people listening, so many of us are going to be so, so few of us are blessed with a mother figure like you, Terry, mm. <laughs> uh, or, or whatever, but in that kind of someone that's that conscious and, and creating that new stage. And so many of us have, that's going to be our jobs to break the chains right. and to switch the dynamic in the family. Right. Mm -hmm. And yep. to, you know, be brave and know that we're doing that, not just for us, but for everybody in the family. Well, you're, you're really being a cycle breaker. Like you're stopping that dysfunctional cycle of guilt, control, people pleasing. And really that that's our job, right. In life is to do it better and to not collude with the lowest instinct of our parents. A lot of us become more, more emotionally intelligent than our folks. And so we can be mad and we can blame them or we can lead, which is kind of what I did in my family, just lead. You can do something different and show that there's another way to do it. Don't have to be mad, but don't have to be manipulated either. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, one final thing I do want to I do want to hit on because I think it's really helpful for people that are uncovering these boundaries that you talk about in the book mm -hmm. is you talk about once you start noticing these patterns um, and you give a great example of uh, a woman that you worked with that was always finding these like arch 
female enemies or whatever at work. And she just assumed like, everybody has this. This is like what everybody has. And it's so funny how we do that sometimes with our patterns. Or we're like, oh, everybody has this this thing, right? Yep. And so once we become more of a boundary detective or, or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. We see where that's going. We see these patterns are like, oh, I overgive here. Or I say yes here when I don't want to here. You have these three questions that we should ask ourselves that I wanted you to kind of share because I think it's really helpful in someone's process of kind of unraveling it. Right, so if you find yourself in a repeated situation, any kind that you wish you weren't. Um, so in the story in the book, um, and if people, to get the book, people should go to boundarybossbook.com because I have other stuff for you guys there as well. But we'll, I know you'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Anyway, um, when we have repeated situations, but maybe you're in a relationship with unavailable people, Maybe the story in the book is that there was a woman who three jobs in a row, as she was my client, she had someone else in the office who she friggin' hated. She would have an arch enemy. And that's, that's what Cassandra was referring to, where she was like, well, I'm sure everyone does that too. I was like, no, <laughs> literally never had it happen in my entire life. And no, this is unique to you, but it's meaningful. So what we're describing is something called a transference reaction. So Freud talks about it as um, repetition compulsion, right? Like we, we repeat what we do not repair, which is someone else's quote on that, which I love. That's basically what's happening. So my client was finding these arch enemies. The three questions that I came up with so that you can understand if you're in this situation again, like how did I get here again? You can ask, who does this person remind me of? Where have I felt like this before? And why is, or how is this behavioral dynamic, the way I'm interacting with them, how is that familiar to me? And what ends up getting revealed is that many times you are repeating an injury that still needs your attention. So with my client, I was like, who does this person, who does this person remind you of? She was like, I was like, who do they all? Because now now we understood there was a pattern. I was like, so who do those three arch enemies remind you of? And she was like, oh my God, my sister Lizzie. And I was like, right, where have you felt like this before? She's like, hi, my entire childhood with her trampling on my boundaries and doing whatever she wants and not giving a crap about the way I feel. And how is this behavioral dynamic, which was her sort of going up against this person. How is that familiar? And she was able to talk about it. So what we did was we revealed this information that was in her unconscious mind. So any one of you right now can ask those questions and another, another time you can use this is if you find yourself having this like big reaction to something, like an amplified reaction where you're like so mad. Logically, you're like, I mean, is it that thing? Like I just like, exploded inside or outside. Maybe, maybe you're actually mm-hmm. taking it out on the person. Did what happen? Is that out of proportion to my reaction? And you know the feeling when you're having a transference, it feels like out of control. You're so mad that you, or you're so deeply wounded, you're hurt in a way that you're like, um, I don't even love that person. Why am I bawling my face off? Like there's gotta be something else. Because the third way that you can, the second way that you can look at this is when I'm when I was in that interaction, who did I become metaphorically? And who did the other person become? You may become your 10-year-old self and they become your judgmental mother. So maybe you felt judged in a situation and just hit you the wrong way because that tender part of your heart is still tender. 
about that. Maybe you need to journal about it, get back into therapy about it, talk about it, honor those original injuries, because that's really what we're talking about. But I think you'll be amazed at how keep these three questions in your hip pocket, and it might blow your mind as to what you're repeating. And then you have a choice, right? My client no longer needed to have this last person be her arch enemy because she realized it was, they were all um, fill-ins, right? They were all substitutes for her sister. So it really wasn't about that lady. It was about Lizzie, the sister who was the bully and dealing with that. And she actually ended up talking to her sister about it. And, you know, needless to say, you know what she never had again, a work arch enemy that literally never happened again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's so, it's so often because when we can see that pattern, then we also, even in that moment, once we, it's like, we can't unsee it. Once like the dots connect, you can't unsee it. So even if you get triggered again, you're triggered, but you still have that conscious awareness to be like, oh, okay, I'm yelling at her, but I'm really yelling at my mom. And so (laughs) let me like take a few deep breaths. Let me, you know, see what's coming up. And and it gives us just a pattern interrupt really to bring that awareness. And to actually, most importantly, is actually handle the real root wound that's been causing all of this in our lives. Exactly. so, so, so helpful. Oh my God, Terry, I, I, could, I could ask you questions all day, but I'm going to try to respect our timeline, Miss um, <laughs> Boundary Boss. So is there any, do you have any final remarks or any, is there any final kind of tip or wisdom that you just feel intuitively called to share with listeners before we wrap up? You know, I just want to say that you can do this and that the, the saddest thing to me about people living their whole life being boundary disasters is that it really means that people don't deeply authentically know you. And how can anyone deeply authentically love you if you don't, you like never allow them to deeply authentically know you. And you are so worth being deeply authentically known and loved. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And Guys, theboundarybook.com. I'll put the link below so you know. Yeah, it's actually boundarybossbook.com. Sorry, it's long. Boundarybossbook.com. And the correct link will be below. So don't try to (laughs) just click the link below. That'll be the right one. I'll make sure of it. Get this book. I, I really, you know... I've said this so many times and you guys know if you've been a regular listener of this, I don't, I don't often um, have authors on here um, and I'm really selective with people I bring on and I'm really selective with my recommendations, but I, I want to tell you one, not only do I adore Terry, you should follow her on Instagram, all of her social media, her links will be below. She's just a wealth of wisdom on all the things, but <laughs> this book in and of itself will change your life. And I know it. If you do the work in this book, it will change your life because it will give you the space to become the you that you desire to be by allowing yourself to stop being everything to everyone else. So you can, you know, get back in touch with your soul and and live free. I I love it. Thank you, Terry. (laughs) Thanks, Cassandra. This is great. Yay.